Section 10 of A Guide to Modern Cookery, Part 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Malone. A Guide to Modern Cookery, Part 1, by Auguste Escoffier. Translated by James B. Herndon, Jr. Chapter 7, Part 2 The Various Kinds of Garnishes for Soups, Relevé and Entrée, Hot or Cold Stuffings and Forcemeats 189 Various Panadas for Stuffings Panadas are those preparations which go to make the leason of forcemeats, and which ensure their proper consistence when they are cooked. They are not necessary for every forcemeat. For the mousseline kind, which are the finest and lightest, do not require them. Nevertheless, they are useful for varying the taste and the uses of forcemeats and I thought it advisable to introduce them here. The reader will thus be able to use either forcemeats with a panada base or mousseline forcemeats, in accordance with the requirements and his resources. 190a. Bread Panada Put one-half pound of the crumb of bread and one-half ounce of salt into one-half pint of boiling milk. When the crumb has absorbed all the milk, place the saucepan over a brisk fire and stir with a spatula until the paste has become so thick as not to cling any longer to the end of the spatula. Turn the contents of the saucepan into a buttered platter and lightly butter the surface of the panada in order to avoid its drying while it cools. 191b. Flour Panada Put into a small saucepan one-half pint of water, a little salt, and two ounces of butter. When the liquid boils, add five ounces of sifted flour thereto, stirring the while over a brisk fire until it reaches the consistence described in the case of bread panada. Use the same precautions with regard to cooling. 192. C. Frangipan Panada Put into a stew pan four ounces of sifted flour, the yolks of four eggs, a little salt, pepper, and nutmeg. Now add by degrees three ounces of melted butter, and dilute with one-half pint of boiled milk. Pass through a strainer. Stir over the fire until the boil is reached. Set to cook for five minutes while gently wielding the whisk, and cool as in the preceding cases. 193. Chicken forcemeat with panada and butter. Remove the tendons from and cut into cubes one pound of chicken meat. Pound and add one third ounce of salt, 
a little pepper and nutmeg. When the meat is well pounded, remove it from the mortar and place in its stead one half pound of very cold panada. See number 190. Finally pound this panada and then add one half pound of butter thereto, taking care that the two ingredients mix thoroughly. Now put in the chicken meat and wield the pestle vigorously until the whole mass is completely mixed. Finally, add consecutively two whole eggs and the yolks of four, stirring incessantly the while, and seeing that each egg is only inserted when the one preceding it has become perfectly incorporated with the mass. Rub through a sieve, put the forcemeat into a basin, and smooth it with a wooden spoon. Test the forcemeat by poaching a small portion of it in salted boiling water. This test, which is indispensable, allows of rectifying the seasoning and the consistence, if necessary. If it be found that the forcemeat is too light, a little white of egg could be mingled with it. If, on the other hand, it should be too stiff, add a little softened butter. Nota bene. By substituting for chicken, veal, game, or fish, and so on, any kind of forcemeat may be made. For the quantities of the other ingredients remain the same, whatever the basic meat may be. 194. Chicken forcemeat with panada and cream. For fine quenelle. Finally pound one pound of chicken meat after having removed the tendons, and seasoned with one quarter ounce of salt, a little pepper, and nutmeg. When the meat has been reduced to a fine paste, add, very gradually, two ounces of white of egg. Finish with seven ounces of frangipan panada, number 192 and work vigorously with the pestle until the whole is amalgamated. Strain through a fine sieve, put the forcemeat into a vegetable pan sufficiently large to allow of ultimately working it with ease, and place it on ice for a good hour. This done, stir the forcemeat, still on the ice, for a few seconds with a wooden spoon, then add in small quantities at a time one pint of raw cream. At this stage, complete the preparation by adding thereto one half pint of whipped cream. It should then be found to be very white, smooth, and mellow. Test as directed in the preceding recipe and add a little white of egg if it be too light and a little cream if it be too stiff. Nota bene. This forcemeat may be prepared from all butcher's meats, game, or fish. 195. Fine Chicken Forcemeat, or Mousseline. Remove the tendons from, trim, and cut into cubes, one pound of chicken meat. 
season with one ounce of salt, a little pepper, and nutmeg. Finely pound, and when it is reduced to a paste, gradually add the whites of two eggs, vigorously working with the pestle meanwhile. Strain through a fine sieve, put the forcemeat into a vegetable pan, stir it once more with the wooden spoon for a moment or two, and combine with it, gradually, one pint of thick, fresh cream, working with great caution and keeping the receptacle on ice. Remarks relative to mousseline forcemeat. This, like the preceding forcemeats, may be prepared from any kind of meat. The addition of the white of egg is not essential if the meats used already possess a certain quantity of albumen, but without the white of egg the forcemeat absorbs much less cream. This forcemeat is particularly suited to preparations with a shellfish base. Incomparably delicate results are obtained by the process. While it also furnishes ideal quenelle for the purpose of garnishing soup, in a word, it may be said of mousseline forcemeat that, whereas it can replace all other kinds, none of these can replace it. Nota bene. Mousseline forcemeats of all kinds, with meat, poultry, game, fish, or shellfish, may be made according to the principles and quantities given above. 196. Pork forcemeat for diverse uses. Remove the tendons of, and cut into large cubes, two pounds of fillet of pork, and the same weight of fresh fat bacon. Season with one and three-quarters ounce of spiced salt, number 188. Chop the fillet and bacon up together or separately, pound them finely in the mortar, and finish with two eggs and two tablespoonfuls of brandy. This forcemeat is used for ordinary pies and terrine. Strictly speaking, it is sausage meat. The inclusion of eggs in this forcemeat really only obtains when it is used to stuff joints that are to be braised, such as stuffed breast of veal, or in the case of pies and terrine. The addition of the egg in these cases prevents the grease from melting too quickly, and thus averts the drying of the forcemeat. 197 forcemeat for galantine, pies, and terrine. Remove the tendons from, and cut into cubes, one pound of fillet of veal and as much fillet of pork. Add to these two pounds of fresh fat bacon, also cut into cubes. Season with three ounces of spiced salt. Chop the three ingredients together or apart, and then finally pound them. Finish with three eggs and three tablespoonsfuls of burnt brandy. Strain through a sieve and place in a basin. When about to serve this stuffing, add to it a little fumet corresponding with the meat that is to constitute the dish. 
for terrine, pies, and galantine of game, one quarter or one fifth of the force meat's weight of gratin stuffing, proper to the game under treatment, is added. 198. Veal force meat with fat or godivot. Remove the tendons from, and cut into cubes, one pound of fillet of veal. Also pare, that is, detach skin and filaments from, two pounds of the very dry fat of kidneys of beef. First, chop these up separately, then combine and pound them in the mortar. Season with one-half ounce of salt, a little pepper, some nutmeg, and pound afresh until the veal and fat become a homogeneous mass. Now add four eggs consecutively, and at intervals of a few minutes, without ceasing to pound, and taking care only to insert each egg after the preceding one has been properly mixed with the mass. Spread the force meat thus prepared on a dish, and put the latter on ice until the next day. The next day, pound once more, and add little by little fourteen ounces of very clean ice in small pieces, or, instead, an equal weight of iced water, adding this also very gradually. When the gaudivo is properly moistened, poach a small portion of it in boiling water in order to test its consistence. If it be too firm, add some more ice to it. If, on the other hand, it seem too flimsy, add a little of the white of an egg. For the uses of Godivo and Cunel, see number 205. 199. Veal forcemeat with fat and cream. Chop finely and apart one pound of very white fillet of veal, with tendons removed. Cut into cubes, and one pound of the fat of pared kidney of beef. Combine the veal and the fat in the mortar, and pound until the two ingredients form a fine and even paste. Season with one-half ounce of salt, a little pepper, and some nutmeg and add consecutively two eggs and two yolks, after the manner of the preceding recipe, and without ceasing to pound. Strain through a sieve. Spread the forcemeat on a dish, and keep it on ice until the next day. Next day, pound the forcemeat again for a few minutes, and add to it, little by little, one and a half pints of cream. Test as before and rectify, if necessary, either by adding cream or by thickening with the white of an egg. 200. Chicken forcemeat for galantine, pies, and terrine. The exact weight of the chicken meat used as the base of this forcemeat determines the quantities of its other ingredients. Thus, the weight of meat afforded by a fowl weighing four pounds is estimated at twenty ounces. 
after deducting the fillets, which are always reserved. Hence the quantities for the forcemeat are regulated thus. Chicken meat, 20 ounces. Lean pork, 8 ounces. Filet of veal, 8 ounces. Fresh fat bacon, 30 ounces. Whole eggs, 5. Spiced salt, 2 ounces. Brandy, 1 fifth pint. Chop up, either together or apart, the chicken meat, the veal, the pork, and the bacon. Put all these into the mortar, pound them very finely with the seasoning, add the eggs consecutively, and last of all, pour in the brandy. Remarks 1. The quantity of spiced salt varies a few grams either way, according as to whether the atmosphere be dry or damp. 2. According to the purpose of the forcemeat, and with a view to giving it a finer flavor, one may, subject to the resources at one's disposal, add a little raw trimmings of foie gras to it but the latter must not in any case exceed one-fifth of the forcemeat in weight. 3. As a rule, forcemeat should always be rubbed through a sieve so as to ensure its being fine and even. 4. Whether the foie gras be added or not, chicken forcemeat may always be completed with two or three ounces of chopped truffles per pound of its volume. 201. Game force meat for pies and terrine. This follows the same principles as the chicken force meat, i.e., the weight of the game meat determines the quantities of the other ingredients. The proportions are precisely the same as above as regards the veal, the pork, the bacon, and the seasoning. The procedure is also the same while the appended remarks likewise apply. 202. Gratin force meat for ordinary hot raised pies. Put into a sauté pan containing one ounce of very hot butter, one half pound of fresh fat bacon, cut into large cubes, brown quickly and drain on a dish. Quickly brown in the same butter one-half pound of filet of veal cut like the bacon and drain in the same way. Now rapidly brown one-half pound of pale calf's liver also cut into large cubes. Put the veal and the bacon back into the sauté pan with the liver. Add the necessary quantity of salt and pepper, two ounces of mushroom parings, one ounce of truffle parings, raw if possible, chopped shallots, a sprig of thyme, and a fragment of bay. Put the whole on the fire for two minutes, drain the bacon, the veal, and the liver, and put the gravy aside. Swill the sauté pan with one quarter pint of Madeira. Pound the bacon, veal, and liver quickly, and finally, while adding consecutively six ounces of butter, the yolks of six eggs, the gravy that has been put aside, one-third pint of cold reduced espagnole, 
and the Madeira used for swilling. Strain through a sieve, place in a tureen, and smooth with the wooden spoon. Nota bene. To make a gratin force meat with game, substitute for the veal that game meat which may happen to be required. 203. Pike forcemeat for quenelle à la Lyonnaise. Forcemeats prepared with the flesh of the pike are extremely delicate. Subject to circumstances, they may be prepared according to any one of the three formulae, numbers 193, 194, 195. There is another excellent method of preparing this forcemeat, which I shall submit here as it is specially used for the preparation of pike forcemeat a la Lyonnaise. Pound in a mortar one pound of the meat of a pike, without the skin or bones. Combine with this one half pound of stiff frangipan. Season with salt and nutmeg, pass through a sieve, and put back into the mortar. Vigorously work the forcemeat in order to make it cohere and gradually add to it one-half pound of melted beef fat. The whole half-pound, however, need not necessarily be beef fat. Beef marrow or butter may form part of it in the proportion of half the weight of the beef fat. When the force meat is very fine and smooth, withdraw it from the mortar and place it in a bowl surrounded with ice until wanted. 204. Special Stuffings for Fish These preparations diverge slightly from the forcemeats given above, and they are of two kinds. They are used to stuff such fish as mackerel, herring, shad, and so on, to which they lend a condimentary touch that makes these fish more agreeable to the taste and certainly more digestible. First method. Put into a bowl four ounces of raw chopped milk, two ounces of bread crumb, steeped in milk and well pressed, and one and a half ounce of the following fine herbs, mixed in equal quantities and finely chopped. Chives, parsley, chevreuil, shallots, sweet basil, half a garlic clove, crushed, then two whole eggs, salt, pepper, and nutmeg. Chop up all these ingredients together so as to mix them thoroughly. Second method. Put into a bowl four ounces of bread crumb, steeped in milk and well pressed, one half ounce of onion, and one half ounce of chopped shallots, slightly cooked in butter, and cold. One ounce of raw mushrooms, chopped and well-pressed in a towel, a tablespoonful of chopped parsley, a piece of garlic the size of a pea, crushed, salt, pepper, and nutmeg, and two eggs. Mix it as above. 205. Forcemeat Balls or Quenelle Diverse ways of molding and poaching them. Whatever be the required size or shape of quenelle, there are four ways of making them. One, by rolling them. 
two, by molding them with a spoon, three, by forming them with a piping bag, four, by molding them by hand into the shape of a kidney. One. To roll canal, it is necessary to keep the forcemeat somewhat stiff, and therefore this process could not well apply to the mousseline forcemeats. Place one quarter pound of forcemeat, when ready, on a floured board, and, with hands covered in flour, roll the preparation until it has lengthened itself into the form of a sausage, the thickness of which depends upon the required size of the intended quenelle. Cut up the sausage of forcemeat laterally with a floured knife, and roll each section with the finger ends until the length it assumes is thrice that of its diameter. The balls should be put aside on a floured tray as soon as they are made. The Poaching of Rolled Quenelle When all the forcemeat has been used up, the balls are gently tilted into a saucepan containing boiling salted water, so calculated in quantity as to allow of their not being too tightly squeezed. The saucepan is covered and kept on the side of the fire until all the balls have risen to the surface and are almost out of the water. They are then removed with a skimmer and placed in a bowl of cold water. At last, when they have properly cooled, they are carefully drained on a cloth and put aside on a dish until required. When the canal are needed for immediate use, it would be better not to cool them. To mold canal with a spoon. This method may be applied to all forcemeats, and allows of the balls being much softer, as the forcemeat need not be so stiff. First, butter the sauté pan or the tray, whereon the balls are to be laid by means of a brush and let the butter cool. Put the sauté pan on the table in front and a little to the right of one. On the left, place the sauté pan or bowl containing the forcemeat, and on the further side of the buttered sauté pan there should be a receptacle containing hot water, into which the spoon used for molding is inserted. For ordinary quenelle, two coffee spoons are used, one of which is kept in the hot water as stated above. Now, with the other held in the left hand, take up a little of the forcemeat, just enough to fill the spoon. Withdraw the second spoon from the hot water and place it, with its convex side uppermost, on the other spoon. This smoothens the upper surface of the forcemeat. Now, with the help of the second spoon, remove the whole of the contents of the first spoon and overturn the second spoon on the spot in the tray or sauté pan which the ball is intended to occupy. The second spoon, being at once moist and hot, allows the forcemeat to leave it quite easily in the shape of a large olive. Renew this operation until the whole of the forcemeat has been used. The Poaching of Spoon-Molded Quenelle 
When all the balls have been molded, place the tray on the side of the stove and pour enough boiling salted water over them to moisten them abundantly. Leave them to poach, and from time to time remove the tray. Then, when they have swollen sufficiently and seem soft and firm to the touch, drain them. If they are to be used at once, they should be placed directly in the sauce. If they have been prepared in advance, it would be well to cool them as directed under rolled canal. To form canal with a piping bag. This process is especially recommended for small, fine, and light forcemeat balls intended for soup garnish. For, besides being extremely quick, it allows of making them in any desirable size or shape. Butter a tray or sauté pan and leave it to cool. Put the forcemeat into a bag fitted with a pipe at its narrowest end. The pipe may be grooved or smooth, and its size must be in accordance with that intended for the proposed balls. Now squeeze out the latter, proceeding in the usual way and laying them very closely. The poaching of canelle made by the above process with ordinary or mousseline forcemeat. These canelle are poached in exactly the same way as the spoon-molded ones. The poaching of Godivo canelle made with a piping bag. These canelle or balls are laid on a piece of fine buttered paper, which in its turn is placed upon a buttered tray. The Godivo must not be too stiff and the balls are laid by means of the piping bag side by side and slightly touching one another. When the tray is covered, push it into a very moderate oven for a few minutes. The balls are poached when a thin dew of grease may be seen to glisten on their surfaces. On the appearance of this dew, withdraw them from the oven and overturn the tray carefully upon a marble slab, taking care that the tray does not press at all upon the balls, lest it crush them. When the latter are nearly cold, the paper which covers them is taken off with caution, and all that remains to be done is to put them carefully away on a dish until they are wanted. To mold forcemeat with the fingers. This excellent process is as expedient as that of the bag, and it produces beautifully shaped balls. Place on the edge of a table, in front of one, a saucepan, three-quarters full of boiling salted water, the handle of the receptacle being turned to the far side. Now take a piece of string, one yard in length, double it over, and tie the free ends to a weight of two pounds, letting the two strands twist around each other. This done, there should be a loop at the end of the string. Put this loop round the handle of the saucepan, and draw the string diametrically across the latter, letting the weight pull the string slightly down on the side opposite to the handle. When this has been effected, the operator, with his left hand, 
take some of the force meat, smoothening it with a spoon, and placing the spoon near the string with his right first finger, he removes from its extremity a portion of the preparation about equal to the intended size of the balls. This portion of the forcemeat remaining suspended on his first finger, the operator now scrapes the latter across the string, and the ball falls beneath into the saucepan containing the water. When all the stuffing has been molded in this way, the saucepan is placed on the fire to complete the poaching of the balls, and the precautions indicated in the preceding processes are observed. End of section 10. Reading by Malone.